Last Sunday, we looked at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark. This morning, we look at the beginning of the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, and we read verses 1 through 13. And we read in Jesus' name. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing has come into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not end it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light. So that all might believe through him, he was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came unto his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him to them, he gave the right To become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you today that we can know that we have eternal life. We can know that our sins are forgiven We can have a living relationship with you, O God, because of Jesus. To to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to this world. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning who has not received that wonderful gift of eternal life found in you, that, Lord, that today would be the day that they would receive you. Put their trust in you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. One of the things that we eventually discover in life is that love is a risky thing. If you really love someone, you make yourself vulnerable because there's always a chance that your love will be rejected. And that's what Jesus experienced as we look at this passage of Scripture. It says, He came unto His own... And those who were his own did not receive him. I believe there are several ways in which this statement is is true. First of all, Jesus came to his own brothers and for a time they, they did not receive him. Can you imagine what it was like to grow up in Jesus' family? Can you imagine as a parent having a perfect son? (laughs) Can you imagine as a child having a perfect brother? That's hard to fathom, isn't it? Can you imagine Mary gathered with the ladies for, I don't know if they drank coffee or tea or whatever they drank in those days, and they're talking about their children and... You know, one mother says, little Johnny, he is just so disobedient. And another mother says another thing. And Mary just sits there and finally asks her, well, don't you ever have any trouble with Jesus? Well, no. Does he ever disobey? No. (laughs) A perfect child, a perfect son. 
Now, you and I have a sinful nature, so we probably assume that it wasn't always easy to have a perfect brother. Right? You were the one being disciplined for your disobedience, but your perfect brother was never disciplined because he never did anything wrong. And I would assume that our sinful nature would cause us to be maybe a, a little bit resentful to the fact that here is this brother of ours that never does anything wrong and is, is never punished. Could that be part of the reason why for a long time his brothers did not accept Jesus? I remember the first time I saw that, read that in John chapter 7. Here's, here's how it describes it. Verse 1, after these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews, the feast of booths was near. Therefore, his brothers said to him, and I believe this was sarcastically said. They said, leave here and go into Judea so that your disciples also may see your works, which you are doing. For no one does anything in secret when he himself seeks to be known publicly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Can't you just hear the sarcasm? Show yourself to the world. And then John adds this statement in John chapter 7, verse 5, For not even his own brothers were believing in him. Now, at this time, Jesus was over 30 years old. His ministry was in full swing, and yet his own brothers didn't believe in him. And I suppose we could say if anyone ought to have believed in him, it ought to have been his brothers. I mean, after all, they had seen his life for all these years. They had obviously seen some of the miracles that he had done because do them somewhere else. Show yourself to the world. And think of the pain that this must have brought to Jesus that he was rejected by his own brothers. There was no free ticket to heaven just because they were brothers of Jesus. They needed to be saved just like anybody else. And the same is true for us. You may have grown up in a Christian home, Christian parents, Christian family, go to a Bible-believing church. But you need to be saved too. You need to have a living relationship with Jesus too. Just like these brothers of Jesus did. Thankfully, after Jesus' resurrection, His brothers are among those who were gathered on the day of Pentecost waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 14 says, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they finally came to the place where they recognized who Jesus was. They received Him as their Savior. But for many years, many years, they did not receive Him. So if you have a family member, if you have a friend that doesn't know the Lord, you keep praying for them because someday... Someday they may come to Him. Put their trust in Him. Recognize their need for Him. Jesus' brothers did, but for a long time, they did not receive Him. Secondly, Jesus came to His own people, and they would not receive Him. The Bible is clear that Jesus came to save 
his people from their sins. That's what the angel told Joseph, Matthew one twenty one. Mary will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and then also to the Greek, to the Gentile. But if you read through the gospels, you will notice that it seemed as if everywhere Jesus went among his people, he was rejected. His hometown, Nazareth, in the synagogue, remember? He takes the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, and he says, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What was the response? Wonderful, huh? We knew you were the Messiah. Oh, no. They took him to the hill of the city and wanted to throw him off the cliff. John chapter 5, Jesus is in the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 18, for this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because he was not only breaking the Sabbath day in their mind, but also was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So they wanted to kill him. John chapter 7, verse 1, we read that verse already. After these things, Jesus was walking in Galilee, for he was unwilling to walk in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. John 10, the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, I showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? The Jews answered, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. John 11, after Lazarus had been raised from the dead, from that day on they planned together to stone him. I mean, everywhere he went, there was rejection by his own people. And finally, they shouted, crucify him. And Pilate said, what evil has he done? And all they could say was, crucify him. We see Jesus' response to this rejection when he came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Luke tells us that when he approached the city of Jerusalem, he wept over it. He didn't weep for himself, even though he knew what suffering he would endure. He wept for the people of Jerusalem. He said, if you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you. They will surround you and hem you in on every side and they will level you to the ground and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another. Why? Because, Jesus said, you did not recognize the time of your visitation. That's why Jesus wept. He wept not because of what he would face. He wept because... He was visiting them with God's saving grace, and they rejected it. Everywhere he went, they by and large rejected him. He came unto his own people, and they received him not. Thirdly, Jesus came unto his own creation. 
and they would not receive him. John begins his gospel account by telling us that Jesus came into a world that he himself had created. He is the creator. John says, in the beginning was the word. That's Jesus. The word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So Jesus is not just the redeemer of the world. He is the creator of the world and everyone in it. And yet, what does John tell us? Verse 10, he was in the world. And the world was made through him. And yet the world did not know him. He came unto his own and those who were his own would not receive him. Just imagine that you're the one that made the whole world. You're the one that created everyone that exists. And you come into that world. You leave the glories of heaven. You take on human flesh. You're going to die for the sins of the world. And they say, we don't want you. (laughs) We don't want you. He came unto his own. His own received him not. Why would the creature reject the Creator? I suppose we could offer many reasons, but primarily it's because people want to rule their own lives. They don't want to surrender to to God. Luke 19, Jesus told a parable to illustrate this. Verse 12, so he said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. (laughs) There it is, right? There's the problem. We do not want this man to reign over us. We want to live according to our desires and our plans and our goals. And no one, not even Jesus, is going to tell us what to do. And that's why people reject Jesus. They want to rule their own lives. They don't want anyone to tell them what to do. And we see that right at the beginning of the Christmas story, don't we? We see that by a man, with a man by the name of King Herod. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi came from the east, arriving in Jerusalem, and they said, Where is he who has been born, the king of the Jews? So Herod hears that and says, Now wait a minute, king of the Jews. I'm the king of the Jews. Who is this king of the Jews? Verse 3 says, when Herod heard this, he was troubled. The word pictures being agitated. He was stirred up, bothered by such a statement that there has been born a king of the Jews. Well, Herod saw this as a threat to his throne. He saw the one who was born in Bethlehem as someone who needed to be dealt with. So we know what he did. He had those baby boys in Bethlehem, two years and younger, killed. In spite of the fact that he said he wanted to worship this king as well. Remember he told the Magi? He said, go and search. 
carefully. You find the child, come and tell me that I too may worship him. Well, that's what he said, but his actions said otherwise. He wanted Jesus out of the way. And there are many people like him today. They say, oh yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I, I worship Jesus, but their lives say otherwise. They really don't want him to be a part of their lives. They don't mind a baby a cradle, right? Christmas time, oh sure, we'll come and you talk about that beautiful baby and that, oh, that's such a wonderful story. But that baby is the king. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when it comes to bowing at His feet, acknowledging you need Him, and then allowing Him to be Lord of your life, well, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really ready for that. And that's why people reject Him, just like Herod. He came unto His own creation. Those whom He has made. And how many people turn their back on Jesus? Finally, Jesus came unto His own children. Is it possible that Jesus would come to those who believe in Him and, and, and they would reject Him in some way? Revelation chapter 3 describes a church, a church in Laodicea. And these people had come to the place in their lives where Jesus could we say wasn't welcome in their congregation? Is that possible that there are churches where Jesus really isn't welcome? <laughs> the true Jesus welcome? He is pictured in Revelation chapter 3 standing outside the church, knocking on the door, wondering if anyone will let him in. Now we quote Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in and have fellowship with him and he with me. We often use that in an evangelistic sense to those who've never come to Jesus. But this is addressed to a church, mind you. Get that picture. Can you imagine coming to church and seeing Jesus standing outside of Grace Free Lutheran Church Knocking on the door and saying, hey, can I come in? Get that picture. Can I be a part of this congregation? <laughs> Isn't that a sad picture that Jesus would stand at the door of this Laodicean church and say, hey, can, can, can I come in? If you go back to Revelation 3.17, you see what was the case with this church. They had become a very self-sufficient people. They didn't think they needed anything. And Jesus said to them in verse 17, You say, I am rich, I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. That describes some people today. Oh, I've got my money, I've got my houses, I've got my... I don't need anything. I don't need religion as a crutch, right? I've got everything I need. And you know what Jesus said to that church? You do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. The riches that this church had was nothing compared to the riches that Jesus had. 
And that's why Jesus went on to say to this church in Revelation 3.18, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you may become rich. You think you're rich, you really aren't. And white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. This congregation needed to receive what Jesus had to offer because that which Jesus wanted to give them was so much better than anything they had. Oh, they were wealthy. They were rich. They didn't think they needed anything. And Jesus said, you don't understand what the true riches are. You are satisfied, self-sufficient people. And that's why he was knocking on the door and saying, you know, you need me. You need me in your life. Reminds me of the little girl who approached her father and said, Daddy, I want a nickel. And he opened up his billfold and was handing her a $5 bill. She says, I don't want that. I want a nickel. (laughs) This is what people are doing with the Lord today. Settling for a measly nickel when he has so much to offer. Self-satisfied with our own wealth, our own religion, our own self-righteousness. When Jesus offers us cleansing and forgiveness and abundant life and peace and joy, why would anyone reject such a one who knocks on the door of their heart and says, I have the true riches to give you? And yet people do. People do. You've seen that picture, I'm sure, of Jesus standing at the door knocking. No handle on the outside. You've seen that, right? Well, that picture was brought home to a family, mom and a dad and a little boy. And the mother put that picture up in the kitchen. And the little boy was just examining that picture. And um, he said to his mother, um, who, who is that? And she said, well, that's, that's Jesus knocking at the door. And he said, well, if that's Jesus knocking at the door, why don't they let him in? Well, she was busy making dinner and didn't respond. And all of a sudden, dad comes home. And he said, Dad, you see that picture? Mama said, that's Jesus knocking at the door. Why doesn't anybody let him in? Well, the father didn't know the Lord and he didn't want to talk about it. And he was thankful when Mom said it was time to eat. But after supper, that little boy again kept asking that question. And for days he kept asking that question. And finally, God used that to get to that father who had been rejecting the Lord, who didn't want the Lord as a part of his life. And this passage of Scripture then became real to him, that to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. You can resist him. You can reject him. 
I pray you won't. If you don't know the Lord today, He has come for you. He has come to take your sin all the way to the cross to pay the price that you could never pay. And He offers freely that gift of salvation to as many as received Him. To them He gave the right to be called the children of God. What better news is there than that? To be able to say that I know Jesus. I am a child of God. I belong to His family. Because Jesus Christ died for me. He took my place. He was my substitute. And now my sins are forgiven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I can live with the assurance that when my life comes to the end, I'll be ushered into the presence of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you came to this world You took on human flesh, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again, and is one day coming again. Lord, I pray that that message would be embraced today by everyone here. That we would leave this place knowing where we stand with you. Knowing that we have, as a present possession, eternal life. Lord, do your work. In our hearts here this morning, for the glory and the praise of your name, for it is in Jesus' name that we ask, amen.